Though Assam is predominantly a non-Muslim province, the district of Silet, which is contiguous to Bengal, is predominantly Muslim. And there has been a demand that in the event of a partition, Silet should be amalgamated to the Muslim part of Bengal. If I take the Hindu population to, as uh, scheduled caste and the generals together, it comes to around 36% uh, Hindu, 60% uh, Muslim, according to what uh, Liaquat Ali had written. But that was not the situation. If you look at the census, it was quite different. And virtually, though uh, British government said that there is a demand for referendum, there was no conflict between Hindus and Muslims there. There was a voting. Uh, 1924, there was a voting. In the voting, actually, all the Hindus and Muslims, most of them voted for reunification with Bengal. But even though the motion had won, it was discarded by the Europeans forcibly. Uh, first of all, uh, I'd like to thank uh, Srijan Foundation for giving this opportunity to present my talk here. And at the same time, I would like to acknowledge uh, some friends uh, who have really pushed me to talk here. And one of them is uh, Mr. Arunay Doy Bhattacharji, but he could not come here because of uh, health issues. I would like to introduce myself as the grandson of a refugee. Okay. Now, my grandfather, he was born in India. He had to migrate to another part of India because the country got divided. And he became a refugee. And there are a lot of people like me who are spread all across the country, who are all grandsons and granddaughters of such refugees. And uh, uh, we are trying to find out what our history actually is. So this is an effort that I had started, uh, say around six, seven years back. I tried to look back at the partition of Silhet. And I found that absolutely nothing is there in the internet or in terms of books or anything, except three, four theses. One thesis uh, written by Navanipa Bhattacharji, one by Sukalpa Bhattacharji, one by Vinayak Datta. These are mainly three theses. Some uh, uh, papers by Anindita Dasgupta and a couple of books. That's all I could find. And then I started exploring because all the books that I have read, the first book written on Silet, it's called Without Roots. There's another book which was written on the partition of Bengal that is called Uprooted. It was written by the governor of Meghalaya, present governor, Tathagata Roy. So why this without roots, uprooted, why is that feeling there? Okay. And that is why I started exploring. Okay. Now, just before the talk, I was waiting outside and somebody asked me, what is Silhet? So I was ready for this question and that is why I prepared my slide with an introduction. Okay. So this is something I got again in the internet. 
cartoon about the partition of India. So one side we have Nehruji, the other side Jinnah. Gandhi is a silent observer and we have Mountbatten who is just hoping that nothing goes wrong. So they are, but the mockery is that they are using a big saw and they expect that the results will be surgical with minimum damage. So first let me introduce the geography. So this is where Silet is presently, okay. a corner of Bangladesh, but it was a part of Greater Bengal. This, this is a very early map of Bengal under the British Raj and you can see uh, here is Silhet and this map of Bengal covers a lot of area. There you have the Naga Hills and this side here somewhere is Kolkata down here. Yeah, that is Calcutta. This side is Katak, Balasore. This side you have uh, some territories from Bihar. So all that included say Muzaffarpur here. So it was a very big Bengal that time. And coming back to the small portion called Silet, this is a subdivision. So it had four uh, parts to it, Sunamganj, Silet Sadar, Hobiganj and Molavi Bazar. These were the four main divisions of the region. And the present map of Bangladesh, this is where Silet is located. Now, if we go to the history. Now, this history that I have collected, it's you know, history and mythology has got mixed up. We don't have a proper written history of the times. I have uh, searched things. So, uh, I found some uh, notes in uh, the history in uh, Bangladesh history. And there they have mentioned these things that the ancient name of Silet was Sri Bhumi or Sri Hatta or Gaura Rajya. And some references from Mahabharata has also come up that Duryodhana's in laws. So, he had one of his wives from Tarak Rajya and that Tarak Rajya is somewhere in this Hobiganj region. Uh, Arjuna's Ashwamedha Yagya, it's famous for uh, the horse getting stuck in Manipur. Chitrangada, the queen, uh, the princess there, uh, she has been mentioned in many texts. Similar incident also happened in Jaintia. Gantia is just in Meghalaya now, it is just adjacent to Silhet. And Arjuna had uh, to sign an accord there. And uh, around 5000 BCE, some coins were found. Okay. Now, these coins and as well as some Tamrapatra, it was found. So, we get some information that it was a port city. Okay. See, uh, the lower portions of Bangladesh and uh, Sundarbans, everything has been created by the siltation. So, at that time, Silet was a port city uh, and uh, in text, they have mentioned this word Howard or if anyone visits Assam University in Silchar, you pass through a very large water body. 
I don't remember exactly, but that water body, huh? Chat, yeah, chatla hour, hour. Uh, then uh, there were some of these uh, inscriptions uh, which were found in two places, Nidhanpur and Bhatera, and uh, they also mentioned uh, some of the things of, uh, that it being a port city uh, and the king of Assam. Assam was uh, the, uh, the primitive name of Assam was Pragyotishpura. So the king of Pragyotishpura was Bhagadatta and uh, the ruins of his castle are found in a place called Nabiganj. Then there is uh, this uh, last thing, it is a disputed one. Okay. Some people believe that Wensang had visited there and he had mentioned uh, about this place as Silahat or Sili Chati Law. Okay. But some historians have attributed this to some other place. Okay. So this is a disputed fact. Okay. So this is around 250 BCE, 400 BCE uh, during the Gupta Empire. Silat is somewhere here attached to Assam. Uh, 765, uh, around that time the Pal dynasty had uh, ruled uh, Bengal and they have captured these areas and later the Sen dynasty. And then uh, again the Sultanate of Bengal, they captured this part. Okay. Now we all have heard of the partition of Bengal in 1905. A lot has been written about it. But the first partition of Bengal, which I would say unreported, is this one, the partition of Silet. Silet was attached to Bengal before this. Okay. Suddenly, the government declared that Silet should be sliced away from Bengal and it should be appended to Assam for administrative reasons. Okay. Now, if we go very deep into it, uh, what happened is uh, Shillong had become the capital of uh, Assam that time. Uh, from Shillong, Silet is very near. Okay. Even now, if, uh, anyone uh, has gone there, you will see uh, there is a road uh, to, uh, to a place called Dauki. And one side, beside the road, there is a small stream. And one side, you find that you have the BSF and just 10 feet away from you, you have the BDR, the Bangladesh Rifles. It's so uh, adjacent to each other. Okay. Now, this uh, uh, reason they have said administrative, uh, if you go deeper into it, you will find that it is a very economic decision. Uh, Assam Tea Gardens, they had spread over to Silet also, and Silet was producing good quality tea. Now, British wanted to control the tea from there itself. Bengal was a longer route. So, to capture the tea industry there, this decision was taken. But this sudden slicing away of Silet from Bengal, it was neither acceptable to the people in Silet nor acceptable to the people in Assam. Okay. And uh, what happened, you know, this created a lot of uh, social and cultural dismemberment, okay. because uh, you are 
this is the first time you find that you are being uprooted. Okay, this uproot, uprooting seed had been. So this is uh, what uh, Ravindranath Tagore had written about that. Okay, so uh, you have been uh, exiled. Okay, Sri Bhumi is select. So you have been exiled from Bengal, but you are still knotted to it through blessings, and it will be knotted till eternity to come. Okay, so roughly this is what the poem says. Then a lot of politics took place in 1924. Uh, there was a bill brought in Assam Legislative Council to reunite Silet to Bengal. And similar bill was again introduced in 1926. Okay. Now at this juncture, there was this gentleman called Sadullah. Sadullah was emerging. Okay. Now pre in, if you look into the history of Assam, Gopinath Bordoloi was the first chief minister of Assam. But before that, Assam had a prime minister and Sadullah was the prime minister. Okay. Not for one term, but for two terms. And he became the prime minister because Congress has uh, had boycotted. Okay. Congress had boycotted, Sadullah was in uh, Muslim League. So he emerged as a leader. Okay. Now as he emerged as a leader, he did not basically, he took a lot of effort along with the British. Even the British did not want Silet to be a part of Bengal. So uh, Sadullah gave the statement that if Silet is gone today, next Kachar and Gualpara, these are two other districts of Assam. Okay. By the way, uh, Gualpara was also appended to Assam, just like Silet. Okay. And uh, there was a voting. Uh, 1924, there was a voting. In the voting, actually, all the Hindus and Muslims most of them voted for reunification with Bengal. But even though the motion had won, it was discarded by the Europeans forcibly. Same thing uh, in 1926 happened, then again 1930, 1940. Many of these bills were brought in, but you know it was tabled and then, and uh, at the same time, what was happening was. Uh, the Muslim League was emerging as a bigger and bigger force. Yeah. And then uh, when Muslim League was emerging, Jinnah had the Assam plan. Jinnah had a plan, see Jinnah's uh, ambitions were territorial. He, if uh, Pakistan would be created, Jinnah knew that he will become either the president or the prime minister. No one is going to stop him. Okay. So Jinnah knew only thing he had to do is expand his territory. So he Jinnah had made this plan of what is called the Assam plan of taking over entire Assam. Okay. So now when that plan was you know seeding, a feeling of distrust cropped up. Okay, if you uh, even today, if you look at uh, the partition and uh, it is looked at as a Bengali Assamese conflict, but it's actually not that, because Assamese people also had this apprehension that entire Assam may go to Bangladesh, uh, Pakistan that time. Okay, so that was the Jinnah Assam plan. 
Okay. Now, uh, what ha happened next is uh, I'm going to present a few uh, slides which are from the archives. These are all telegrams that have been sent during that time period. It started uh, with this thing, 3rd June 1947. And if you, uh, I have just uh, given the excerpts here. Okay. So, 3rd June 1947, uh, this is the statement issued by His Majesty's government and uh, issued from uh, uh, Viceroy's office. Uh, okay. So, the first line here, point here, on 20th February 1947, His Majesty's government announced their intention of transferring power to the Indian hands by June 1948. We were supposed to get independence in June 1948. We got in August 1947. Okay. So, uh, the last line of this point that we are to evolve for India a constitution acceptable to all concerned. This hope has not been fulfilled. And then it goes on to tell us about different territories. So we have the territory of Sindh, the northwest frontier province where uh, a referendum was being proposed at that time, uh, British Baluchistan, and then came these two paragraphs about Assam, point number 13 and 14. Okay. So this is what? So the point starts this way. Though Assam is predominantly a non-Muslim province, the district of Silet, which is contiguous to Bengal, is predominantly Muslim. And there has been a demand that in the event of a partition, Silet should be amalgamated to the Muslim part of Bengal. Okay. Now, this is more or less an assumption. Okay. There were demands, but demands were not as big that this part should be amalgamated to Pakistan. And uh, then if we look at the representation in constituent assemblies, uh, Silet district is mentioned here, one seat for general, one for Muslim, so uh, two for Muslims and totally it had three seats. Okay. Now, the next thing that happens is on 11th June, just after this statement comes out, Liaquat Ali Khan writes to Lord Mountbatten. And what does he write? Uh, here, he says that Muslims are 60.7% of the population. Then he says caste Hindus and scheduled castes. Okay. So, uh, the caste divide that had occurred earlier, this was used very cleverly by the British as well as by the Muslim League. Okay. So, they just split the population there. So, uh, they have separated as caste Hindus and scheduled castes and uh, presented it separately as 11% and 25% uh, and then they said tribals 22%. Further, what Liaquat Ali says that uh, the number of electors, electors uh, from the Muslim community is 3,11,000, general is 2,35,000, 
and he shows that this is equivalent to 54% of the population. Okay. So, what he wants now is that there should be a scaling factor, a scaling factor which will represent the 60% population. Okay. So, he wanted that to happen. Then, yeah. Now, if I take the Hindu population to, as uh, scheduled caste and the generals together, it comes to around 36% uh, Hindu, 60% uh, Muslim according to what uh, Liaquat Ali had written. But that was not the situation. If you look at the census, it was quite different. And virtually, though uh, British government said that there is a demand for referendum, there was no conflict between Hindus and Muslims there. If you, uh, even uh, I have asked people, okay. So, the book started uh, with, uh, you know, collecting anecdotes. Because since we do not have a written history, I thought the persons who have come as refugees, everyone has a history to tell. So, why not I collect these stories? And I started collecting, okay. And uh, even if you see uh, the actual partition when it took place after the referendum, even that time, you will find that the communal violence in Silet was very minimum compared to other parts. Okay. Now, I presume that electorates of special constituencies such as labor, tea planter, commerce would not participate in the referendum. The labors, okay, the labors were the people mostly who had migrated from Bihar, Odisha. Okay. In Assam, anyone who has gone to Assam, you will find a very big Kuli community. Okay. These are the people who work in the tea gardens. Okay. They are all migrants. Okay. So, Liaquat Ali wanted all these people to be out of the referendum. And similarly, uh, the commerce, anyone involved in the trades, he wanted them to be out of the referendum. And this way some, uh, a lot of, after a lot of discussions, it was accepted that, okay, we'll, no, we'll not allow the tree planters, uh, the tea, tea planters, the commerce to be a part of the referendum, but will not have a scaling factor. Okay. So, uh, and uh, whatever communication you find till that time, okay. So, you will find the communication is only Liaquat Ali Khan or Jinnah writing to the governors. The Indian leaders were totally silent till that. Okay. Then what happened was uh, everything was agreed and uh, then the draft was prepared that Silet had to be, uh, the refer uh, referendum will take place and uh, some constituencies were set up. Okay. And if you look at all these uh, letters that I have collected, you will find either confidential or cipher grade is written. Okay. So, um, these are again some, uh, okay. So, there was a gadget notification and this gadget notification by the British, you see 16 June 1947. Okay. So, 
after this, this is the formal notification of the referendum to be held in Sylhet. Okay. And it is taken out by this KVK Sundaram, who was the additional secretary at that time. And later he became the second election commissioner of India. And then uh, it was decided on the dates that Sylhet referendum will be taken on 6th and 7th July. Okay. Now, those people who have visited Assam, you know, July is the worst time to visit the state. Okay. Monsoon, it is flooded everywhere. Okay. And to, even with today, with the development that we have, we have good roads, uh, we have a good rail network. Even with that, we find that some districts get totally cut off. Now, imagine what happened in 1947. At that time, we didn't have such good roads. Railway network was a bare minimum. And in that time, people decided that voting should be done. The referendum is done. And meanwhile, you see, uh, as I said, the <coughs> Pakistani media, the Pakistani people, they kept the pressure very high. So there was a article that come, came out in the Dawn newspaper. Okay. So this is an excerpt of that one. So they, where they were alleging that entire uh, thing is going against Pakistan and it has been you know, rigged in favor of India. Those, no such thing was happening. So these uh, allegations were uh, again, uh, some replies were given and as I said, Cipher Great Telegram secret. Okay, so and then uh, they gave long explanations on that. No, everything is fine. We have a very free and fair elections. Okay, and uh, nothing is going to nothing wrong is going to happen. Okay, so again the similar kind of replies, and then. Uh, then comes this gentleman, Jogendranath Mondol. This Jogendranath Mondol, uh, if you look at his wiki page, this is okay, and he is uh, a founding father of the modern state of Pakistan. His role in the partition was very pivotal. Okay, see. Uh, as the caste distinction is there, upper caste and scheduled castes, he was promoted by the Muslim League. And uh, the plea was the upper caste people do not respect you at all. So if you remain in India, you will never get this respect. So it is better you remain in Pakistan because the Muslim society does not have a caste system, you will be having more access to everything there. And now, this thing got so much into the heads of people, particularly by the efforts of this gentleman, that the scheduled caste basically voted for Pakistan against India. Now, uh, <coughs> he uh, raised some complaints also. Okay. So, ultimately, the referendum took place. Yeah. And after the referendum had taken place, this is the result of the referendum. The first letter here, it is addressed to Mr. Bordoloi, who was the Chief Minister of Assam. 
then uh, the second uh, thing uh, to uh, Muhammad Ali Jinnah and then it was written to Nehru. Okay. Now this was the re result of the referendum. So yes, okay. Now what was the question asked? Why sh should Silet join the province of East Bengal in Pakistan? And uh, then they had a symbol system. They had just put a symbol of X and hut. Hut means you stay and you vote for X means you cut off. The number of people with voting rights. If you look at the census, the population was about 31 lakhs, Silet district if I see at that time. The number of people who voted, you see, 5 lakhs. 46,000. So, these 5 lakhs 46,000 people they decided the fate of 6 times their number, 30 lakh people. Then, a lot of ballot boxes did not reach the counting centers. There was a divide between the rural and the urban areas. The rural areas, the voting was more or less, uh, the urban areas voting was more or less uh, uniform because of the security arrangements. In the rural areas, the votes, uh, many people could not vote and then the split up of votes from the scheduled caste community which I had explained earlier. Okay. Now after the vote, uh, what happened is, now Nehru comes into picture because a lot of complaints were raised and these complaints were raised by uh, a person called Aran Chaudhary. Arun Chaudhary was a member, secretary, uh, he was the secretary of the Silet Partition Committee. He uh, raised a lot of objections based on which uh, the queries were raised. Okay. And then, so this is his letter to uh, Sardar Ballabhai uh, Sardar Patel. <coughs> so, what he basically wants, wanted to show here is that even the map was wrongly represented. When uh, Ratcliffe did the partitioning of the area, the map was wrongly presented. Okay. But the response he get, got from Vallabhai Patel, thank you for your letter. The whole question of your attitude towards the boundary award is before cabinet and you can depend on that that the points which you have urged will be duly considered. That's all. Okay. He kept on writing again and again to Pandit Jawaharlal Nehru, Vallabhai Patel. Uh, uh, even some people demanded a second referendum, but nothing happened. Okay. And then we ended up having the partition. Now, these are some clippings from newspaper in those times. Okay. Dhaka, 30th June, Amrit Bazar, Patrika. Okay. So, if you see, there were disturbances. It was not that, uh, you know, you just give up your territory and go away. Disturbances were there. But what happened is, uh, it's not to the scale that it has been projected. The survivors, I've talked, like, uh, I put this uh, line here, the story of Jayanti Singh. Okay. Now, Jayanti Sen was one of the survivors. She was a newly wed bride at that time. Now, 
there were some uh, people who wanted the land to be vacated and they had to move to India. So what were, now this lady, her mother-in-law just put her up in a jute bag, tied that bag and put it under the bed. Okay. And she lived like that for around three or four months. Okay. But I have another story uh, of another lady. She said that just before independence, she had, uh, it was uh, in June uh, 1947, before this uh, referendum, June, July, she had left India. And she was brought from Silhat to uh, Shillong by Muslim bodyguards. Then you have uh, similar kind of stories. There was a uh, police arrangements, hooliganism. This kept on happening, but everything, you know, was sequential. Before the referendum, the violence was not there. Immediately after the referendum, the violence was not there. But as the country transformed, Bangladesh transformed. When it was a part of India, it was a kind of a secular country. The moment it became Pakistan, it became an Islamic country. As soon as it became an Islamic country, you know, there were forces who were tr trying to change things there, change attitudes. And with that, the violence kept on increasing. Okay. And if you go ahead this way, 1971 became a turning point. Okay. So all the stories that I have gone through, 97, 1971, Horrific stories are there. Okay, what happened to people? They became a uh, you know weapon. Now the present status. Okay, the thing is the people who have left Silet and migrated. What happened to them? Okay, you will find that they are not accepted anywhere. They have become a kind of a foreigner. Okay, so they have been unaccepted in Bengal, unaccepted in Assam, and unaccepted in Northeast and uh, the people, the older generations, my grandfather, they always talked about uh, the estranged land. And then what happened is uh, they always had this vision that someday maybe we'll be able to go back, we'll be able to regain. And uh, at the same time, they lost everything. I've seen very affluent families. Okay, like there were families having a title of Ashtapadi. Ashtapadi means at least eight elephants with, was there in their courtyard. Those kind of people, really affluent. After partition, they had to shift or some people, they left uh, their entire uh, property remained in uh, Pakistan and they, their homes remained in India. So they lost everything and these people, uh, like I know a particular family, they split one dhoti into three pieces so that uh, they can, you know, economize on things. Yeah. But uh, another aspect I found was they also, you know, somehow were more resilient than us. I, they accepted things much easier. Today, you, uh, this thing might have happened, you might have seen thousands of suicides, but they lost everything. 
but they did not lose hope. They had a hope that they can regain their land. <clears throat> yeah, now what uh, many people have gone back just to visit. Okay, like in my grandfather's trunk when he died, we found a small pouch containing the soil of that land. What's happening is uh, right now, uh, since there is no distinction between infiltrators and refugees, a lot of questions are coming up. Okay, since uh, the government is in an effort to legalize most of the things. Okay, but to legalize things, what happens is, where do you get the documentation? Even 20 years back from now, getting a birth certificate, no one bothered. Now, we have a proper birth certificate. So, what happens is, I have seen in villages, people have this fear of going back to detention camps. People have a fear that something will happen. So, they are trying to find their legacy, who uh, find their who their ancestors were. And in that business, some of them have really found who their ancestors were with documentation. Somewhere, you know, legacies, my legacy is being used by someone else. Somewhere, the legacy is getting stolen. Someone, some legacy is getting sold. Okay. And the people who are suffering here have seen mostly the woman. Hello, sir. I'm also from Silchar. So, that's why I can <laughs> connect myself with this story. Uh -huh. And uh, last year when I was in Karimganj, hmm. so I heard one story that uh, at the time of this uh, Silhet referendum, hmm. there was some confusion with Karimganj, I guess. Initially, yeah, yeah. it went uh -huh. to Silhet and again it came back to India. Uh, uh -huh. is, is it something like that? Means yeah, there are two and a half thanas if you uh, have yeah. heard. Okay. Now, Karimganj was a Hindu majority exactly. portion. Exactly. Okay. But the referendum results, you see, at that time, there was, uh, the communication was not as strong as that. Yep. Okay. So, what happened that time is, the Karimganj uh, people did not know what to do. Hmm. For almost 15 days, Pakistani flag was flying there. Exactly. Okay. But later on, the government clarified, no, this belongs to India. And then, Indian, uh, so since you have gone there, there is this yes. Kushia, Kushia river. Jockey Gonja. No? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this part of the river belongs to India and that this part of the river Bangladesh. belongs to Bangladesh. Yes. And uh, it becomes uh, taking, uh, if you want to ride a boat there, yeah. only BSF can take you for a ride. Exactly. With a flag, small flag. Yeah, with a small flag yes. of India. Yeah. Uh, hello, sir. Thank, thank you for your talk. So, my name is Ayushman Kalita. I am from Guwahati. Yeah. So, I have two questions. Hmm. So, one, sir, was former, sir, was the first Assam CM Gopinath Bodole in any way responsible for the transfer of Silet to East Pakistan? And, and second one, sir, hmm. sir, was Borak Valley ever a part of Silet in ancient times? Uh, see, uh, Silet, what we consider is the Shurma Valley. The river there is Shurma. Borak Valley is the part consisting of Silchar, Hailakandi uh, and Karimganj, okay. that part. So, uh, Silhet was distinctly different from Borak. Okay. And see, Gopinath Bortoloi had given one statement, Silhet Gaul, Sileti no Gaul. Okay. The Silhet has gone, but Siletis have not gone. And that has been interpreted in many ways. Okay. But what I, 
I would assume, okay, I'm not very sure about the answer because he also had, okay, he had a desire to become chief minister. That's what people say. But the Jinnah Assam plan, that must be in his mind. No? If saving Assam was a bigger priority than saving Silent. So I think that was also working at the back of his mind. Thank you. Uh, good afternoon. Uh, my question is more on a, some fundamental uh, uh, aspect of it. Hmm. See, in the current context, there is discussion going on hmm. and a lot of discussion about it. There's somebody who has been persecuted for belonging to a certain religion, follower hmm. of religion, and hmm. then that actually lead to uh, his migration or forced yeah. migration. Hmm. Then, then there has to be some avenue for that person to at least go and take shelter somewhere. Yeah. So there is a there is a uh, viewpoint nowadays mm. going on like somebody who is who is not belonging to uh, say uh, Christianity or Islam or mm. a religion as mm. such, mm. where they those kind of people those people can go. For instance, in Afghanistan, for in Bangladesh, in mm. Pakistan, mm. Hindus if they they are not able to sustain there mm. just for the fault that they belong to a religion which is not welcome there. Mm. Where do they go? Uh, in that context, there is a propagation of uh, uh, thought that India should welcome those uh, people, but not that uh, those kind of refuse can be given to anybody else for, for the people who have more than 50, 50 avenues to go uh, yeah. uh, all around the world. Hmm. Uh, your views on that, I will. Uh, see, uh, I would answer it uh, this way. Uh, are refugees welcome? Today, if say 50,000 refugees come to Delhi, can Delhi accommodate that? Okay, we have to think very logically. Sentimentally, we can think, yes, but logistically, can we really provide if suddenly there is an influx? Okay, now, if you look at, uh, I know, slowly, uh, that we'll start talking of the citizen amendment bill and all okay now what happens is uh, in entire northeast say the tribal populations are very small okay and there are a, i think maybe maybe 200 different tri tribes there suddenly if there is an influx demographic change becomes a reality and in that you know the logistic problems are there. So I don't know what's, what should be the exact solution. If people are allowed to come in, where? Because uh, say we have come in as refugees, my ancestors. Okay. Now what are we, what, what is happening? We are get, our culture, everything is getting lost. The loss of land is not just a, you know, loss of property alone. Saving the culture, saving our traditions become very difficult. But, but the reason for your migration was you belonging to a particular region, religion which was not welcome. Is this correct? Not necessarily. It was imposed. No, no. That is what I am ah. saying. So if that is the case, I am hmm. just lim my limited point is the migration which is forced forced on people hmm. just because they belong to a certain sect or religion. Yeah. And and that is the only fault they have. Yeah. Uh, if you call it a uh, fault. Mm -hmm. In that case, where I mean, I'm just talk, uh, talking to from that limited perspective, yeah. not in general uh, refuge, uh, refugee migration. 
So may I take that? Oh, huh. Okay. So we have something called the Hindu Charter, and I'm actually mm. taking this opportunity to go on camera also. Uh, the Citizen Amendment Bill is actually one of the demands, right? So mm. the point is that India is the natural home of Indian religionists, and they must be welcome. This is the only home that they have. Indian religionists, as distinct from alien religions, which came from outside. India. Exactly. So I think that is a stand unapologetically we must be able to take. Okay. And uh, yeah. And the second point is that, uh, you know, refugees, we cannot just keep taking because demographic change is a reality. And if India were to be 80% Muslim, for example, India and Indian value systems will not remain. There is no difference between Pakistan and India in that case.